and welcome to One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. And I do want to remind you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, contact us through One Card, One Cub, One Beer at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our page by clicking on the icon at the bottom right corner. Those of you who are on Mac or PC or on an Android device, if you're on a streaming device, please go to your computer, find us, subscribe to us. When you subscribe to us, you will know first thing when our crap comes online. <laughs> and isn't that what you want to know? Is our crap firsthand? Of course you do. Uh, you can support us through Patreon. Go to Patreon, search patreon.com, search uh, one cardinal, one cub, and one beer. And you can see there are three levels of support. The division winner, which is $3 a month. You get uh, some stickers with that. Uh, the uh, um, pennant winner is $5 a month. You, uh, you get a coffee mug and some stickers. And then if you do the World Series champion at $10 a month, you know, and that's, that's what most of you spend, you know, just on, I don't know, probably toenail polish on a monthly basis, then, then you know, you, you'll really help us out. We do appreciate it. Um, if you notice that uh, my voice has finally changed, I'm very proud puberty hit at the age of 56. And just kind of, actually, um, I'm a man. Yeah, I've uh, I've had about a COVID. Uh, it started Sunday and uh, I'm pretty much uh, symptom free, except for my voice is very low and I get tired. So if I fall asleep, <laughs> just wake me up and, and I'll keep going. And uh, if I have a coughing fit, I will try to mute myself. And uh, if I do start coughing, you need to get out of the way because those germs can come right at you. You know, this COVID thing is pretty nasty. So, um, JJ, uh, how are you? Are you physically good? I've been hanging tough. I know a lot of stuff's going on with all the pollen and spring times here. Um, the only fever I got is baseball fever, baby. That's right. Yeah, Saturday we got to see you. Did you get to see your Cubs play Saturday, Vince? Oh yeah, I've seen my Cubs play all the time. <laughs> the only day I missed was Sunday because I was too sick to watch them. Every oh. other day I'm just I gotta watch. <laughs> so, yeah. Vince is the MVP of this show. I mean, there's only two of us, so I'm a second runner-up. But he's not feeling well, and still yet he came out. He did. The he's doing it for you guys out there. So thanks, Vince. He MVP, MVP. Because I love you all. I love you all. <laughs> well, with springtime starting, I worked midnights, and I got home about nine o'clock Saturday, and I set my alarm for eleven fifty and got up and watched the game. And I'm telling you what, we've had we had Saturday's game on TV and Sunday, and then they played Monday, and there was no telecast. I was at work anyway. And then um, uh, we uh, had a day off today. So right now the Cardinals are three and one. These games don't mean anything. I mean, if you lose every game, you'd like to win one occasionally so the team doesn't forget how to win. But they really don't mean anything. But the Cardinals are three and one, and that's kind of a byproduct of, of what's been going on. I've seen some Vince, first of all, the rules. We talked about the rules last week. And uh so far, I love the bigger bags. I love the bigger bags. I like the no shift. The clock, it may take me a while to get used to. It seems like the game's a little forced. I seen a, a couple of pitchers that kind of realized what time it was and hurried their pitch. It was a ball outside. Um, the ones I saw, I saw some uh there's a famous game, of course. You probably heard about the uh, the Braves and I think the Red Sox three two bases loaded, 
bottom of the ninth, and it was a pitch, a hitter's violation, a hitter's yeah. violation. I, it's, I'll get used to it. It just takes me a while. I'm so old. I'm an old timer, and I'm just used to the old ways. I can see uh, a few things that could pop up, but I, I think the umpires have a little leeway there, too. There was a, it was uh, Yespis, I believe, got a ball up and in. I his head and he dot he went back and he he stepped back about three steps and then kind of collected himself and he, they didn't start the clock immediately they let him kind of regain himself and get back up there so um you know that that's pretty cool that they uh you know I think they have a little a little leap, but they're calling it pretty much strict by the rules and I kind of like that well I as far as the bases go the first game you know the made the uh uh the announcers made the analogy they look like pizza boxes out there yeah after that i haven't even noticed the bases me neither so that that doesn't bother me that i like that the pitch timer has kept the game moving and uh i heard a statistic that for the first month when they tried this in the minor leagues they averaged like a violation and a half um per game and then after that period of adjustment it went down to like a half a violation every two games so it it almost became a non-factor um i do like that it keeps the game moving and one of the things that i saw today when i was watching the cub games is is that the uh average uh spring training game last year was i think three hours and five minutes and this year it's it's down to 234 something like that something ridiculously low that's what i Um, around that i heard too yeah so that's that's really good i i like that and concerning the shift i saw some hits up the middle that i haven't seen would be hits the last couple of years and i saw a couple of uh ground balls that got went through the right side by left-handed hitters that wouldn't have been hits the last few years saying i'll have to say this it looks like baseball again. I, I when when a when a ball goes up the middle, gets past the pitcher, my thought is it's a hit unless it's a great play. I'm either going to see hit or a great play. You know, yeah. I, I'm not seeing some guy just standing on second base picking the ball up of a sharp ground ball up the middle. Um, when they're hitting the uh, sharp ground balls to the right side, that uh, oh that should be a, a hit or a great play. You know, and there, there's not someone just standing out there in right field, you know, throwing it to first. I, 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 it has the look of a baseball game. It has the feel of a traditional baseball game. And I, I think when, when players do adjust, um, it's going to be stuck in nature. So I, you know, I, I, I haven't had a problem with any of the rules. And what I've seen so far has been really, really good. Oh, it's been fun. And, and and like you said, the game moves. And for your your novice fan, the person that just kind of peeks in every once in a while, it's more action. You see more hitting. You uh, you know, it's more time in between pitch. I mean, less time in between pitches. And uh, it, I, I'll get used to it. It just took. I just the first game I saw it looked a little hurried to me. And. Um, but it was fun. It was still uh, it's baseball, so I'm excited about that. Well, with pre with uh, spring training going almost at preseason, 
getting over football there. Um, I got to hear Chip Carey and Brad Thompson on the TV side, and they make a great team. Chip is classy. He calls the game. He picks up the little things. Brad, I think they reined him in a little bit because he's a real funny guy. And he yeah. still he still got off some zingers and stuff, and it was fun. Uh, but I, I really, really enjoyed that. And then I think it was Monday I got to listen to uh, uh, Rooney and uh, Ricky Horton do the games on KMOX. And I've always enjoyed them, too. I mean, I miss Mike Shannon and Jack Buck, but we were in good hands as Cardinal fans getting the games called. It's going to be a fun year listening to those guys and having a good time with them. Well, there's a, in St. Louis, there's a lot of competitions for positions. Uh, Contreras is the catcher, and it was nice seeing him out there in the Cardinal uniform, and he looks like he fits right in. But the backup catcher position is up for grabs. You got Kisner and Herrera, and, uh, you know, both of them's done fine. Um, I look for Kisner to win that spot. Uh, Herrera is younger, and Kisner just has a little more experience in the big leagues, but we'll see. Maybe Herrera beats him out. Uh, at second base, you got uh, Brandon Donovan and um, and Gorman, and Gorman has worked on his defense. I can tell he's looking really good out there, but I'm telling you what, Donovan, uh, he's hit two home runs, one in the first game and one in the third game, and uh, he's looking dynamite, taking some really good at-bats. Uh, there's room for both of them. Uh, you know, Gorman can be a DH. Uh He's hitting the, it looks like his swing is a little flatter this year too. So that that's fun. DeYoung is trying to earn a spot and he's had a hit. And of course, uh, Tommy Edmond. Uh, and a lot of these guys will be going away here real soon to get ready for the World Baseball Classic. Of course, you got Goldschmidt and Arenado and they look, they look mid-season form. But in the outfield, there's a big battle for uh, a lot of positions. Uh, O'Neill's moved to center and is working out there and looks pretty darn good and our he looks he looks good i not uh i like him in left field a little bit better but dylan carlson's moved to right and maybe he can just concentrate on playing right he's got a great arm and hitting because last year when he went moved to center his hitting suffered uh and then of course lars Newbar. but then out there you also have gomez the kid that hit about 38 home runs in the minors last year and i think led the minor leagues in home runs uh looking great at the bat really taking great at bats but I seen a ball in right field. He turned the wrong way and turned and ran and had to make like a dazzling catch. Uh, it's spring training. Everybody's working on that. Burleson's been out there. Yespis. So we have a lot of outfielders. And there's some kid. Uh, I, what's great is there's kids I've never even heard of. You know, we got to see uh, Jordan Walker and Marcel Wynn. But there's a kid at short named Robinson that had been in our minors, went to the Braves last year, played for them a little, and came back this year. He wears a red headband. Really, um, I won't say cocky, but, man, he's got he's doesn't have a lack of uh, confidence. And he's made some great plays at shortstop, and he takes charge out there. I've seen teams where everybody's waiting for somebody else to call somebody off. He's out there screaming, hollering, get out of the way, get out of the way. I got it, I got it. I like that. I like that. Um just a few other things. Uh, uh, let's see. New rules. The Chip Carey, Horton. Uh, that's about it on that front. And like I said, the Cardinals are three and one, and they only had five hits the first game, but man, they, they come alive in the second game. We were helped by Florida because I'm telling you what, them guys, uh, they better get that fielding up to par because they 
were they made about five errors in that second game. So we'll take what we can get. But uh, we got a lot of help in that game. And we got to beat the Mets. I I'm sorry for your cousin there. I know he's a Met <laughs> guy, but we did beat the Mets. So, yay, we beat the Mets. I uh, did not know that mental illness was in our family to that degree that we had a Mets fan. But we can get him help. There's help available. You know, we'll get some Yeah, help. lobotomy or something. I don't know. <laughs> some medicine. Oh, Lordy. Well, um, I tell you what, the Cardinals announced uh, they always have a um, the fans get to vote for this red jacket club. It's sort of like the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And we have a lot of guys. We have five guys that are up for it. And usually two get elected out of the out of the five. And, and this year it's uh, Edgar Renteria. And I could go over his stats if you like. We also have um, three pitchers. There's Matt Morris. Oh, David Freeze. It's David Freeze and Edgar Renteria are the two hitters, and the three pitchers are Matt Morris, Joaquin Andujar, and Steve Carlton. And I think Steve Carlton's been on the ballot like six years. I don't know why Steve Carlton ain't on there. Uh, Younger far, fans vote, and they don't remember Steve Carlton. I know. Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Yeah, that's, David David Freeze is going to be voted in, even though he's, he's, you, he's, yeah. he's not he, – he, he had a great World Series – but he was a very average player who had trouble being a starter for first Pittsburgh. Um, but he'll, he'll get voted in. And I think Matt Morris will get voted in too, because Morris deserves to be in. I, one I of the most underrated pitchers that I saw in the nineties. Um, just, just a wonderful pitcher. Um, but Carlton, uh, yeah, I, I think with, you know, our generation, we remember Carlton as a Cardinal, but, you know, you and I are like pushing 35 years old. You know, these younger people, they. <laughs> yeah. All those under 30. They, yeah. But, uh, I was looking at their statistics and if I was voting and this is me personally, who I'd vote for, I'd put Steve Carlton and Matt Morris of those five. Those are the two I would vote for. I, I would agree. Over, I went over their statistics and you know i know people get kind of they you know they get whited out when we talk about statistics a lot but you know he played seven years with the cardinals and they were and uh he was in two world series in 67 and 68 he played from 65 to 71 with the cardinals and for me that was like the worst trade we ever made that was over a little bit of money and uh we lost steve carlton and he could have been the heir apparent to bob gibson and in some ways, he was even a better pitcher in some ways than Bob. He had a long career. And, I, and don't get me wrong now, I'm going to get hate mail saying that. You, it's like you can't say nothing about Bob Gibson in, in Cardinal land. I love Bob Gibson, but Steve Carlton was very – he was a an incredible pitcher as well. Um, but he, he went 77 and 62 in his years here in St. Louis, and we went to two World Series, um, a 310 ERA, 66. 66 complete games. Um, that That's just remarkable. He's eighth all-time in Cardinal history in strikeouts. So uh, in that short amount of time, he just surely did make an impact. And uh, I love old lefty. He was a great one. He was a great one. And he kicked our butts. I met him one time at a card show, and my grandfather used to sit in a recliner and watch the Cardinals. 
And when Carlton was pitching, he'd slam that chair down and walk off. He'd get so mad. I told him, <laughs> I, I told Carlton that. I said, oh, you made my grandpa furious. My grandpa was an old World War II Marine. And he said, well, you know, I beat you guys five times in one year. He remembered that. He remembered. He, he stuck it to us. And he was, oh, he killed us for a long, long time. But uh, anyway, uh, he, he had... Five seasons averaging 32 starts and 237 innings with the Cardinals. That's just mind-boggling in today's game, especially you think about that. That's yeah. that's a that's a workhorse right there. And then, like you were saying, Matt Morris, Matt Morris played with us from 97 to 05. And you know, those weren't uh well, 04 we went to the World Series. Yeah. Uh, but he he uh won 101 games. And in Cardinal history, that's that's really good. 101 wins. I mean, you know, uh, with all the years and all the players, he was 101 and 62 with a 3.61 ERA. And uh, you know, that's also the steroid era he was pitching in. Yes, you know? it was. So that's amazing statistics for the steroid era. 18 uh, complete games, eight shutouts, uh, pitched over 1,300 innings for the Cardinals. And he is seventh all time in Cardinal strikeouts. And if you look at some of the statistics of guys over the years with the Cardinals, he's uh, he's up there in a lot of categories. And I, I love Matt Morris. He was kind of the, to me, one of the faces of the team back in those days. And, and the final bit of uh, base Cardinal baseball I have is Vince. Every month I go up to the card show at uh, Orlando Gardens right up there off of Revis Barracks. And uh, it's this weekend, Sunday. I'll be there, of course. And these are the people there this weekend. There's a Cardinal connection there. Uh, I know you said years ago you were a Kansas City Royals fan. Well, Amos Otis is going to be there. Oh. Yeah, old Amos Otis. Yeah. Jack Clark. And a Cardinal favorite, Tom Niedenfuhrer. (laughs) i'm gonna see if i can get a picture of him throwing his glove down or something he actually is coming to a st louis card show he's coming to a card show Uh, i i automatically have to like the guy yeah if he's saying okay yeah this would be kind of fun to do for 15 bucks you can get him to sign a card that's cool i have a jack clark i got a a matter of fact i love jack clark when he was with the giants that's where i fell in love with jack clark i would watch uh uh, what was it? Uh, this week in baseball. Remember that show? Oh this yeah. In, oh, I love that show with Mel Allen. Mel Allen, yeah. Yeah, and they had that music at the, in there and all that. They would switch from teams to teams. And back then, you know, me and Vince didn't get to watch all the teams like today. Uh, so uh, it was unique to see these players and hear about their teams and everything. But um, Jack Clark, Jack the Ripper, and he was just killing it in San Francisco, and they became a major force. And again. I don't know how the heck we got Jack Clark, but man, those were some great years with him. And uh, I got a couple things for him to sign. I'm going to the Giants thing and a and a card a couple Cardinal things as well. So Vince, that's it in Cardinal land. I went a little long there, but man, I'm excited. It's baseball time. Well, in uh in the world of uh, Cub news, um, I'm going to start with injuries because uh one of them's a big one. Uh, Seiya Suzuki uh was pulled from the opening day opening spring game and he had tightness and turns out he has a uh, uh, oblique strain and he's going to miss the world baseball classic 
And this is an injury that can be tricky. Um, so will he be ready in three weeks? Maybe. Will he be ready in 10 weeks? Maybe. Um, it's very tough to, to gauge how well an oblique strain or how quick that they are going to recover. Um, this is called a moderate oblique strain, so it's not a mild one. So they know it is a little bit more serious. Um, so as a precautionary, it's, all right, just don't go to the World Baseball Classic. This could take some time. So he bowed um, and um, he, you know, we'll, we'll see how this progresses if he'll make it uh, to uh, opening day. Uh, and then uh, not to be outdone, uh, pitcher Jordan Holloway, uh, he decided he would get him a um, oblique strain too. So strangely, we have two players with an oblique strain. Who really cares a George Holloway? Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's <laughs> oh, terrible. That, your anyway, first guy you mentioned, Suzuki. I like that. I like watching him play. He's yeah, he, he showed up about player. 20 pounds heavier. He, he hit the weights this year, um, trying to add more pop. Um, and I think this year, after a year of getting acclimated to uh, the MLB game, that he's going to uh, become the star that we thought he was going to be. He showed flashes of it last year. Um, and I'm not just saying this, and I'm not the kind of person who ever sits around and says, oh, the ums cheated us, the ums cheated us, you know, you know, ums are against the guy. I, that just grates on me. That's an excuse. Everybody has good calls. Everybody has bad calls, whatever. It seemed weird last year. And I'm not the only one who noticed this. Even Cubs announcers have said this. It seemed like every close pitch that, you know, fans grass would show would be out, they would call him a strike. And so he got to where he expanded a strike zone because he was getting all these bad calls and, you know, getting sent to the dugout with his bat on his shoulder. He's got a tremendous eye. So when he started getting strikes called that were outside the zone he started swinging at them and it screwed him up um kind of straightened out at the end of the year and finished strong so um i i'm hoping that he's back uh by opening day if not there's no rush uh at the beginning of the season let's just make sure he's healthy and he can get in there our other uh injury is uh patrick wisdom's been scratched from uh his uh spring training start uh he has a mild groin strain and he'll just rest until he's ready to go and uh i i have been fortunate to see we had a split squad game and i didn't watch one game i you know max has like one game on one computer one game on another watching both games at the same time i didn't do that because i was watching from bed <laughs> but anyway uh so i i've seen all the games except for the sunday game where i was just too sick to, to watch in one of the split squad games so I've seen four of the six, and uh, what I—I'll I, tell you what has impressed me so far. Uh, David Bodie, who's a non-non-roster invitee, um, has just come out killing the ball, and I, you know now that he doesn't have a five-year, fifteen million dollar contract, he seems to be motivated to make this team and to be good. Uh, we'll see if it lasts, but I was not expecting David Bodie to show up and kind of turn my head. Uh, Cody Bellinger has looked really good. Um, he took a Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's a left-hander. Bellinger's a left-hander. He took a high fastball 
on the uh, outer portion and just creamed it to left field for a double today. I mean, it was it was it was MVP Cody Bellinger type hitting. Oh, look so at uh, that that looked like wow! I'm impressed with that. Um, we're all looking at Matt Mervis during spring training and uh, what I've seen of him. Um, he he hasn't responded with a like a home run or anything. He's had some walks. He's had some really good at bats, and I've been. Uh, very happy to see that. And I've been also keeping uh, an eye on Kevin Alcantara, who is not going to make this team. He's going to start probably at high this year. I think he's 20 years old. Uh, he's the one that Max referred to last week. His nickname is the Jaguar. He is six foot six and he is just pure athlete. And uh, I, I've liked what I've seen. He lost the ball in the sun. Uh, I think it was yesterday, but it's Arizona and everybody loses balls in the sun uh, in the cactus league. So that didn't worry me so much. Um, but I got to see Ben Brown pitch and this is the picture that we got in the uh, David Robertson uh, trade with uh, the Phillies. This guy, you need to watch him. Okay. Next time he pitches or looking up, look him up on YouTube. He's also six foot six. He has wow. a 12 to six curveball. I feel like I am watching a young Adam Wainwright. I am amazed. His fastball, he doesn't have the control of the fastball that Wainwright has at this time, of course, because he's very young. But the curveball is like unreal. It's like it falls from the sky. And he's he's not going to make the team out of spring training. He may get a call up, do an emergency start or something like they did with Caleb Killian last year. Um, but man, I'm excited about this. I cannot believe the Phillies gave us him for, for David Robertson. But hey, so uh, I, I'm going to do this uh, all through spring training. It's uh, called the fifth starter report because we know who the four starters are going to be oh, for the Cubs, oh, barring okay. injury. Like and there that. is a uh, there is a competition for the fifth starter. And Ross has even said it's between Hayden Wisniewski, um, uh, Javier Assad, and Adrian Sampson. I went on the record last week and said, it's Sampson's to lose. And let's get real, Assad's really not in the race. Okay, so they've all had, they've each had one outing in spring training. Samson came in uh, first game as the second pitcher, and Wisniewski and Assad both had starts. Okay, and I'm rating them right now. Uh, number three so far in the race is Adrian Sampson, the one who ice it. <laughs> There's still he's time. Pitched, he's pitched uh, one and two-thirds innings. He's uh, given up three hits. Four runs, all four of the runs are earned. Okay. Uh, one walk, one strikeout, and three home runs. So, Ooh, man, that's rough. Number two, okay. man, I, I, it's me and you. <laughs> two and one, I could flip a coin. Okay. But I'm putting Assad at number two, and I'll okay. tell you why. Assad pitched two innings, no hits, no runs. Uh, no walks, two strikeouts. Beautiful. Perfect. I'm putting Wisniewski at the lead right now. Wisniewski pitched today, 
two innings. He did give up a hit, no runs. He had one walk. He had four strikeouts. The reason I am liking Wisniewski because Wisniewski actually had to pitch out of a jam. Okay. And he did a great job pitching out of the jam against the Mariners today, who had mostly their starters in when he pitched that. So um, the fifth starter report, uh, first week of spring training, I have Sampson at number three, Assad at number two, and Wisniewski at number one. And I will keep up with the stats. Uh, and every week you will you'll get to see and we'll see at the end who who wins this thing. I like Asad, that. Assad is pitching for Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, so I will follow his progress there. And the other two, I'll follow their progress in spring training. So, um, that's uh, that's about it for Cub news. Wineski, that's a good Chicago name. That sounds like a Chicago guy's name. I know for some reason. Yeah, his his uh, his slider is is wicked and he's he made i think it was five starts last year and really impressed me but you know it's been a long time there's been a there's been a winner you know and i was like okay i, I want to see him to see why i liked him so much or if that was just a flash in the pan no his, his stuff really does play on the major league level so i was thinking um Wisniewski may be someone that they are going to, uh, you know, just start in the minors so he can get, you know, his his starts in and keep on a regular rotation. Not going to put him in the bullpen. Um, but now I'm thinking, you know, with with uh, Hendricks coming back sometime in May, if that stays on the trajectory it's at. Um, you got Assad and Wisniewski, who are both young. Samson, who's a veteran, who has pitched well the last two years, that could be a late spring training trade piece for us to pick up something that we need. Okay. So, so there we are. That's what I'm thinking about the Cardinals, too. We have so many young players, and there's we can't keep them all. I'm thinking, and you know, you know the guys who aren't doing good, nobody's going to offer you anything for them. If they come out of the shoots looking good, maybe we can, you know, get something we need anyway uh, with with some of these players. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, we could, uh, you know, if if Suzuki is going to be out at the beginning of the season for a few weeks, um, maybe you guys could use Adrian Sampson and we'll take that Jordan Walker guy off your hands, <laughs> something like that. I hey I, I Friday oh I I I probably won't we won't do that you might have to throw in something else on that deal oh come on I'm a general manager I'm a good general manager <laughs> that would be a great deal for you that would be a great deal for you I, I watched MLB did a preview of they do two teams a day and they did the Cardinals Friday and they were walking in the practice fields and a ball went flying over the fence and went and hit that building behind the fence at Jupiter. And uh, the last person that hit that field, that building in batting practice was Mark McGuire. And they were like, who the heck hit that? And Miles Michaelis came running up and said, uh, Jordan Walker. That's all he said, Jordan Walker. And so that kid's got incredible power. He had a home yeah, run. Do you really play. need to have someone on the team that's going to lose baseballs <laughs> like that? No. <laughs> Get rid of the bomb. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, baseball's a crazy game, but 
man, that kid looks like he's he's 20 years old, too, Vince, 20 years old. Yeah. So all you baseball fans out there who collect cards, that might be a good investment, getting your Jordan Walker cards, because they're about to start climbing up real high right there. There you go. Did you get to well, see that uh, Crow Armstrong kid? Did you get to see him play any? Yeah, I've seen him play. Um, he he uh, he flew out to left. He's left-hander. Uh, okay. He flew out to left, uh, deep left, on a uh, – uh, it was kind of an outside breaking ball. But he, he flew out pretty deep. If you yeah. look at him, he, he looks like a 20-year-old kid. He doesn't – he's not filled out yet. So uh, the power that he generates uh, is just natural. So when he fills out, he, you know, he's, he's going to hit some opposite field home runs. He looks like, I've seen highlight film of him. He looks like a ball player, man. That kid looks like he's special. Defensively, he's, he's, he, defensively, he's a, he's a gold glover now. Um, when you look at the, the plays he's made, it's like, wow, incredible. He did have a uh, game the other day where uh, there was a deep fly ball. Um, in center, and he he kind of got to the fence, and the ball, his glove, the fence met at the same time, and it popped out. Um, but he was also looking into the Arizona sun. So I, you know, right. hey. I, if you watch Cactus League games, the sun is always an issue. You see great players lose the ball in the sun. Um, that's why there's uh, in Arizona they they keep the stadium closed a lot because. There's not a cloud in the sky. You got that high sky. And oh, it's yeah. very difficult to find the baseball. So, so that, that doesn't bother me so much. But yeah, he's, I, I'm not really, I'm looking at him more as a curiosity, I guess, like Alcantara, because I know he's not starting, you know, in the major leagues this year. Brennan Davis, uh, who's, who's looking for an outfield spot. Um, and if Suzuki's out at the beginning of the year, you know, um, he, he certainly has an inside track there. He he's looked pretty good in spring training so far in the few times I've seen him, which is good because with his, you know, this guy was uh, our top prospect last year, uh, one of the top five prospects uh, in minor league baseball two years ago, and with his back messed up last year and 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 you know the surgery and everything, and then uh, coming back and just playing terrible and then getting shut down again this winter, he's come out. He's he's looked like. Uh, these look pretty good, so hopefully that will be a success story. All right. We are going to spend the next three weeks looking at our rivals, not each other, but our <laughs> other rivals. Yes. The teams that don't matter in the National <laughs> League Central. And we're going we're going to start with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh go ahead and JJ, give me your thoughts on that beer swilling bunch of losers from <laughs> playing in Wrigley North. Let's hear about it. You know, I always, I have nothing but good memories mostly from the Brewers. Uh, you got Chicago so close to Milwaukee. It seems like both fan bases travel back and forth. And I think that's a more fierce rivalry than we have with them. Of course, if we had lost game seven of the world series in 82, maybe I feel a little different. Um, you know, they've had some great players. I was a big Susu Cooper fan. And uh uh I mean I, I love Bob Euchre. Um I really don't yeah, have any Molitor. Oh yeah. Oh Demons? my gosh. Vukovic? Uh, Vuk, Bangers, uh 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 Prince Fielder, Jonathan LaCroix. They've had some good players over the years. I've really Texan. 
Teddy Higuera. I, I really like. He, I thought he was going to be like Fernando Venezuela. Fernando Vina. Fernando Vina. Well, we got Vina yeah. and Matheny both from Milwaukee, I believe. Yeah. yeah, so we've got a good connection with them. Well, I tell you what, every preview book I see, they rate them as winning the division or at worst finishing second. And I tell you what, Vince, I've been going over the stats and their roster, except for their starting pitching. I don't know. They're going to have to catch some lightning bottles in a few spots because uh, I don't know. I don't know if they can hit with the Cubs or the Cardinals, to be honest with you. But that's why we play the games. You know, on paper right now, they're going to have to have uh, players that have been down years come through. They're going to have to have some rookies really come out and be a big contributors to the team. Uh, that starting pitching, I'm very jealous of. That's some shutdown starting pitching they have. And at the end of the bullpen is really strong. But I think they've got a lot of uh, positions in the middle of that bullpen to fill. And that's a – man, with the way pitchers go today, six seven, six innings maybe, uh, that's a big part of your team right there is that middle relief. And that can win – that can make or break a team right there. But I'll start out with their catcher. I have, uh, they got William Contreras from Atlanta. Of course, that's Wilson's brother. And he actually out hit Wilson last year. Uh, he hit 278. And uh, so far, career wise, he's only played a few years. He's a 260 hitter. Uh, he did hit 20 home runs in Atlanta. He's been on a world championship team. And I think that's a good. Young player for the Brewers for years to come. He looks like he's going to be a good player. The only thing I saw, Vince, that's a kind of a, a thing that I, for as a Cardinal fan, I like, he's not really good at throwing out runners. He's only gets 14% of would be runners thrown out. Now, that's not fair to blame that all on the catcher. That's a lot of uh, the pitcher holding the guy on, but this year they can't, like you said, they can't hold him too long. So uh, last year he only got six out of twenty six, and uh, and Wilson Contreras got thirty one percent. So I just kind of show you what a what a uh, you know what what a what a good catcher does. The thirty one percent didn't, he, didn't uh, William play a lot of DH for Atlanta last year? Oh yeah, he can hit. He's a good yeah. Hitter. He 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 wasn't their full time catcher. Yeah, and I uh, I'm wondering if uh, if yeah, I mean they. The Brewers do have Jesse Winker. Um, I wonder if he and Contreras are going to split time DHing. I just, I, I'm not trying to sound mean. Um, I don't see him being a catcher for a championship team. There, there's too many defensive deficiencies. He's 25. That's the one thing you could say, well, maybe he hasn't, uh, you know, but in catching your catching years, except for, you know, Carlton Fisk and Jim Sunberg and Yachty, uh, catchers don't last real long. And that's, you're probably getting to your prime catching years around 25. So maybe we are seeing what we're going to see with him. But uh, you're right. That is his defensive ability doesn't scare me a whole lot. But the guy can hit. The guy can oh, hit. He's a great hitter. They'll find him. They'll find if he hits, they're going to put him in there somewhere. The Brewers have been known. I always liken them to a, a beer softball team. They put these big old lumbersome guys in different positions and they just shoot for the moon. Uh, so, and speaking of that, at first base, they uh, projected is Rowdy uh, Teles. 
And I tell you what, I went to two Brewer games last year, and Telez killed us. I thought this guy's a monster. Well, I was Vince. I was looking at his stats. He only hit two fourteen last year. He hit two fourteen, but he did hit uh, thirty five home runs. So he is a power hitter, but uh, it's feast or famine with Rowdy. I like the guy. He's uh, always got a smile on his face. He swings for the fences. Uh, but uh, a two fourteen hitter don't scare me too much, you know. Yeah, the the other day um, we were playing Milwaukee in a game, and I'm trying to think who was pitching for us. It was one of our starters? Um, oh, it was uh, it was Drew Smiley, left-hander. I like that. And uh, Teles is a left-hander, and first or second pitch, Teles took him about 450 feet. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's feast or famine. When it's a feast, man, it goes a long way. I think he's a free swinger. He's going to get three good swings on you. You know, good luck. But hopefully, he you know he doesn't have a lot of speed. He'll hit a ball a mile high. Just keep trying to keep it in the ballpark, and and you got him. But uh, I'll be honest, Vince. I think <laughs> looking at this lineup, I tell you what, the Pirates might catch the Brewers this year. And their <laughs> pitching is going to have to be incredible this year. I really think. Uh, of course, we'll play this tape back after they win the World Series, and I'll look like a moron, you know. <laughs> but, uh, well, they made two moves. and I was going down the lineup, but they made two moves late in the uh, offseason, and they brought in um, Luke Voigt. And Luke Voigt's a guy who I think he was with the – there was a time he was with the Yankees, and they thought he was going to yep. be the next uh, Roger Maris. He was just cranking home runs. And then I think he was filling in for some hurt players, and then they really didn't have a spot for him, and he he slowed down. He's played for several teams, and it seems like every year he's with a new team. So Luke Voigt's over there, so he might be a DH too. He, he's either a first baseman or DH. But again, he's like a beer softball guy. He'll just swing for the fences, and he can he'll connect some. And then I couldn't believe they got Brian Anderson from Florida Marlins, and Brian. Uh, well, is a very good third baseman, but the last two years he's been uh, battling injuries. But I, I think he's a very good player. That's a good pickup for them. If he's even uh, similar to his, you know, what he usually does, he's a very good player. So um, I was going to talk about second base now. They had a rookie they were going to play there with, with Brian Anderson coming aboard. They're probably going to move uh, Luis Urias from third over to second base. And I think that's more his natural position anyway. So uh, I think that was a good move. Uh, Urias, is, he's only 25 years old. The, the Brewers, that's the story with this team. They're a very, very young team. Uh, he only hit, uh, well, that sounds so negative. He hit 239 last year. Like I could hit anything. But 239, you'd like to see your third, well, now I'll be a second baseman. You'd like to see them hit. I don't know. What, what do you like, Vince? What, like 260? You'd like to at least get a 260 average out of your second baseman. Yeah. When I when I look at positions, um, I don't so much look at batting average. I I look at more what I want with an OPS. Yeah. Um, and from from a second base position, um, seven thirty up, I can live with. And uh, you know, from an offensive point of view, uh, this year's second base is going to be so important defensively. You're right. Which is I I think. 
why the Brian Anderson trade uh, was was so important because you can't put uh, Urias at second and have Adamas at short and have a, a decent up the middle. Um, before that, to have a rookie at second base, um, eh, I, I don't know. And uh, Urias, um, he he falls more in line with what I would think an offense for a second baseman should be. He certainly wasn't the offense that a third baseman should be. So I I I, I could live with with that. And he's a good fielder. He is a good fielder, and that's why he's there for. Uh, he did hit. These guys do hit home runs. He had 16 home runs last year. Yeah, that, they they go for the downs, as they used to say. Man, I know you better uh, better hit your spots when you're pitching against these guys. Because it's like they, when when they got Willie Adonis from uh, the Rays, he didn't hit much home runs for the Rays when he got there. They turned him loose, tried to kill the ball, and suddenly he's a home run hitter. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, uh, yeah, and he's going to be the shortstop this year. Twenty-seven years old, right? And it's getting in his prime. Two thirty-eight hitter, um, a good shortstop. Um, let's see. You know, Vince, I'm old school. I, there's the on-base percentage, and then there's o, o, OPS, right? I get them. I get those two confused. Um, he, uh, but. Uh, he had 31 home runs last year, but he strikes out a lot. Yeah. He's got these guys, uh, strikeouts to walks. He was a, a negative 157. And Jeez. that's a, that's a rally killer. That's a rally. But I, I, man, put the bat on the ball. That, that, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to live by the home run, you're going to die by the home run too. But the See, when, when, when someone has stats like this, the pitching coach has an easy job. You tell the pitcher, Throw your best stuff off the plate. Let him chase. If you're up six runs, yeah, go ahead and try to pitch to him. That's when he's going to hit his home runs. He'll run into his home. Yeah, that's when I would let him run into his home runs. If we got a big lead, go ahead and pitch to him. You know, whatever. But it, if the game is is close, nothing's going over the plate. It, he's going to swing at it anyway. I mean, it, you have to have some control with your your out of the strike zone, you know, you can't just throw it a foot outside. Um, but yeah, th that's why a lot of these players have such terrible batting averages and high strikeout rates is because they're free swingers. And that the home run hitters make the big bucks, you know, and their launch angles and all that. But I, I truly think those strikeouts will tear you up, you know, in the long run, a team that, I think makes more contact, runs the bases, and uh, plays, and of course defense. And that's the thing you got to you balance. You want the, the the glove out there, or do you want the bat out there? And um, some guys are both, but few and far between. Usually, you got guys you take out in the seventh inning, and you put the defensive guy in there. I remember Paul Blair used to come in the games all the time in the seventh inning, and, and he would man center field, and you know nothing got past that guy. So. Uh, yeah, but they seem to go with the bats or uh, the the power. They go with the power a little bit more. And with that pitching staff, man, if they had a good defense, I'm telling you what, they would be. It'd be tough. Um, they're infield. Also, you got Brian Anderson at third base, and he's coming off of two injury plague years. Plague years, but they said this year he's uh, his injuries. He's over them, and uh, he's looking like his old self. We'll see. I like Brian Anderson. I always 
when I watched the the Marlin games, I thought, oh man, he's going to be a cornerstone to that team for years to come because they've got a lot of good uh, players over in Florida that uh, look like they could be something special, you know, especially that pitching staff and Cooper at first. I really like that team, but uh, he's over here with the with the Brewers now, and that's a great pickup for them. Uh, overall, though, that infield's uh, young and experienced, uh, strike out a lot, you know. Uh, just a, you know, I think an okay infield, but nothing I'm I'm that would scare me or anything like that. Uh, their outfield, though, I kind of like their outfield. They've got a kid out there, Tyrone Taylor. Um, I believe that's my son Brody's favorite brewer. When we go out there, he always says, I like the way that guy plays. Um, he hit 233 last year. Um, he got 17 home runs. He, he's a good fielder, 51 strikeouts. And his walks to strikeouts, I always look at that, was a negative 80. And that's a little above average for today's ball player, especially a big power, a big outfielder, you know. But he's a good defensive player, too. And uh, seems like every time the Brewers stuck it to us, he was involved in on base or not, moving a runner over or something. I, I, I really like him. Um, they have a kid in center field. I wrote things so small on here. Uh, he is a rookie. I believe his name is Garrett Mitchell. And he's been at AAA for the last couple of years. He only played 28 games last year. So it's a small sample size, but he's getting a chance to play uh, center field this year. And then, of course, Christian Yelich. And I think almost every team's got a guy like a Christian Yelich, a player that they're hoping kind of finds his old form and can come through. Uh, we have Tyler O'Neill, who two-time Gold Glover. One year he was like, I mean, a big part of our core players, and he's been he always seems to get hurt. And I know you guys have Bellinger, who if he comes to any kind of MVP level, I mean, he's going to set your team on fire. Well, Yelich is that guy, but the last three years, I don't know if he's dealing with injuries or um, – yeah, he's got a back issue. Oh, he's and, got a back issue? And two, yeah. baseball, they figure you out. You always have to make adjustments, you know. Maybe he had a – they found something out or something how to pitch him, but he, you said he's dealing with the back I issues. Uh, he is their big money guy. They did invest uh, – because <clears throat> the Brewers don't spend a whole terribly amount of money. And uh, Yelich is the guy with the big contract. Nice guy. I pull for him. I hope he does good except against our teams. Uh because he's uh, that there for, uh, I mean, it was like three years. He was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, got an MVP in there. Um, anyway, last year, you know, you think of him being a 310 hitter. He only hit 252. Uh, and his power numbers have went down. He's only hit 14 home runs last year and was a negative 74 to walks to strikeouts. Um, he was always a guy that made contact but I see him striking out more and more as well. So uh, hopefully a bounce back year for him, but he definitely is the, the you know, the big piece in that lineup. <clears throat> and then we were talking about DHs and Jesse Winker looks like he's probably going to be the DH. Now, Jesse didn't have a very good year last year. He had injuries as well. was out uh, quite a bit last year, but two years ago when he was with the Reds, I thought the Reds was crazy to get rid of him. And they sent him up to Seattle because I tell you what, he's a really good player. So um, if he comes back, he may play some outfield. They've sound like they got a lot of guys who can DH and uh, Winker could be one of the big stars on that team. And he's, 
he's still he's only 28 years old he's still a very young player so uh well what you said is true the reds are crazy (laughs) yes they are i'm glad they are they should be much better than they are but it seems like they're always they just get going excuse me oh no problem sorry about that but they always seem to get rid of their stars and uh uh, and I know the Cubs have probably benefited some and us too over the years. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. They, maybe they got a master plan we don't know about. But I tell you what, there's about, to be honest with you, there's about three or four players in that lineup. If you can keep them off base, uh, I'm not, I'm not that I look at their defense. And I think it's just average. And I look at their batting and I think it's just average, to be honest with you. Uh, how do you feel about their uh, lineup? Uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't scare me, and I I do think their lineup was stronger than ours last year. That kind of shows you how anemic our lineup was last year with the retooled lineup. I like what we have to offer more than what they have to offer. Um, but of course, there's a there's the two uh, it factors. Uh, number one, uh, Craig Council is a great manager. Yes, he and, is. He he seems to push the right buttons. He does he doesn't do anything. T- I don't watch a game that the Brewers play. That why did he make that move? His he, he's very logical, sensible. Um, you know you can't perform for the players. All a manager can do is plug the right players in at the right time, and you know hope they come through. And uh, he seems to he 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 makes the right moves. Um, the other. Uh, big X factor is they crank out pitching like a machine. They do. Yeah, yeah their minor leagues is, is great. You want to start talking about their pitch? I, I, I'm i telling you, Corbin Burns, I've seen him pitch twice live. That guy, it's a pleasure going to the ballpark and watching that guy pitch. But for the life of me, before we get talking about him too much, he went to arbitration this year and they got into it over $700,000 which in baseball today is not terribly, I mean, with the amount they make, is it terribly a lot. And um, you would think you would want to keep your starting pitching pitcher happy instead of telling him, well, we didn't make the playoffs because you kind of faded down the stretch. I don't know. And I think this is the last year on his contract. I don't oh. know what. what yeah. I, um, I, I think Milwaukee, they're not going to bring him back. They're not going to sign a pitcher to a to a contract uh, to a long term contract, pay him a lot of money. They'll get outbid by a lot of teams, so he oh, wasn't yeah. coming back. Um, if just to keep him in the proper frame of mind for this year, pony up the seven hundred thousand, let him pitch, and see if you guys can make the playoffs. What they did is they pissed him off. Um, because the way arbitration works, and this this is why most teams and players do not want to go to arbitration, because when you go there, the team is going to tell you, they're going to pick you apart and tell you everything that you did, the reason why you don't deserve the amount of money you're asking for, the 700000 So they're going to tell you, okay, yeah, you say you're one of the best pitchers in baseball. What happened in August in the beginning of September when you lost four in a row and uh, we we fell out of the playoffs? That puts it on his back, you know. Um, so 
it's it's a very humiliating situation for a player, even a superstar like Corbin Burns, to go through because the arbitrator is not a baseball person. They are they are there. The player presents their side. The 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 team presents their side, and the arbitrator decides. You win, you lose. You know, yeah. they don't have any skin in the game or anything. They're not gonna say, "Well, this is Corbin Burns. He's one of the greatest. He just needs the seven hundred thousand." All we're hearing is both sides saying, hey, "I like the side that the team's saying." You know, I like their argument better. So, there you go. So it's a terrible situation that that is, and it it may affect may affect him mentally this year, and he may not pitch as good. Who knows? Um, but let let's say he does pitch good. Uh, they so. have after him Brandon Woodruff. They have Freddie uh, Peralta. Uh, they have Eric Lauer. Their fifth starter is Wade Miley. And waiting in the wings, even though he's been waiting in the wings for about three years now, is they're so high on Aaron Ashby. Um, he's the son of Adam of uh, gosh, Alan? Is it Alan Alan Ashby. Yeah, yeah. and. When I watch him, I've watched him pitch against the Cubs a few times. He's got nasty stuff for a couple innings, and then he falls apart. Last year, he was 2-10 and 10 with a 4.44 ERA. He has a 1.43 whip. Okay, I don't care how good your stuff is in the bullpen and how great it looks when you're pitching in college in the minors. When you get to the majors, if you can't cut the mustard, you're not going to stay. And Aaron Ashby, I think, may be on his, you know, hey, prove it this year that, yeah. that you're a viable pitcher. So that's the reason why they signed Wade Miley is not that they need a more veteran presence because they have Burns, they have Woodruff, they have Peralta. Um, but they didn't trust Aaron Ashby to become a, a viable starter. So the starting pitching is is potentially tremendous. Oh yeah. Um the bullpen I I think is I agree with you. Uh they got rid of uh Hater last year and yeah. they put Devin Williams in that role. He did have 15 saves. It took him an adjustment period to get used to being a closer. Um but they don't have what I would consider a really strong candidate for a setup person. <laughs> Excuse me. So I do see that if your starter is going to give you five or six innings, are you have, have you got enough to to make it to the ninth inning to get that bridge? And like I said, it's the Brewers. They tend to find pitching where it doesn't exist. They are really good at cranking out pitching, except for Ashby. Um, they seem to hit on a lot of pitchers. So um, I kind of see the Brewers as a team that can be like anywhere from a 72-win team to maybe an 86-win team. There's there's a lot of leeway in there. And uh, yeah, as far as being a serious contender, um, I don't think with the balanced schedule this year that oh, yeah. um, they're even a wild card contender. Um, I don't I, think eighty. I don't think eighty six will make a wild card. I think I think you're going to have to win this division, and I think it's going to take 90, 91 wins to win the division. I don't see the Brewers doing it. 
The only team in the division I see doing it is the Cardinals. Well, I, I looked at I've been looking at your roster, ours, and theirs, and I don't think I I think they're a third place team. You know, I really do. There's a couple names, uh, Matt Bush too in the bullpen, but he's a 39 year old reliever. Yeah, now. he's an old man. He's getting old, and he was a very good pitcher. But at 39, we'll see. They just have so many ifs, ands, and buts. Can these young guys come up to the level they hope they can? Can the older players maintain that level? Playing uh, guys that have sometimes have never played that particular position in the big leagues. Uh, going pitching heavy. And that pitching is going to be great. But I think if you can stay with them, and we'll see what their bullpen holds. Uh, but they're going to have to catch lightning in a bottle. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I tell you what, I was I was surprised after looking at the stats of uh, I was expecting a little more out of that team. And I was like, wow. So maybe they got some surprises we don't know about. But I'm with you. I think they're a third place team. And I don't think they're a 500 team. I think they're 78, 79 right in there, somewhere in there. So yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me. It, like, like I said, it. I could see them going into the low 70s. I could hit them, see them hitting the mid 80s if everything falls right. I just, I just don't see this team as being the class of the division. And let's be honest, it's the weakest division in baseball. It is. And so, um, yeah, I, I. They've got about four guys. If any of them get injured, they're in trouble. Yeah. I don't think they have any backups. And I tell you what, if they're way out of it, and aren't signing Corbin Burns next year, you may see him go at the trading deadline to a contender and pick up some big prospects. That's what I would do if you're not going to sign him anyway and you're out of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they'll do. You know, they may be a team that even if they're in it, and for heaven's sakes, they were, one year they were a playoff team and they fired their manager in September when they were in the playoffs, heading for the playoffs. Remember that? That I do not remember. I don't. Yeah. Remember. But last year they were in the punt and they got rid of Hater uh, right in the middle of it. And I was like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, thank you. That's very nice of you to do that. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. They fell flat after that. Well, so neither of us are really high on the, on the Brewers, but <laughs> wait till next week when we talk about the Reds. And then we'll finish this <laughs> off with the Pirates. <laughs> JJ is going to show us some of, some of his uh, memorabilia. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Let me reach over here. I got stuff all over the table. Well, Vince, I got three different things I'm going to show. I won't take terribly long. I, I just love the game. Uh, patches and things are a big part of the game, the history of it. And I don't know if you remember this, but 1976 is the bicentennial year. And in some ways, it was the 100-year anniversary of baseball. It, they didn't play professionally yet. Yeah. But the, they wore this on their uniforms, the 100th anniversary of baseball. It was right around the bicentennial. It was 76. And that also was the logo for baseball back then. Yeah. You know, so I love that. I found that, and I, I thought, oh, I got to have that. Uh, this emblem of the Cardinals, of course, I'm Cardinals heavy on all this stuff. Uh, in the eighties, when Ted Simmons was on the team, there was a time when on batting helmets, we had this Cardinal with a bat on it and they wore this 
uh, patch on their uniforms for a small time. But there is the Cardinal emblem that they used to wear on their uniforms. And I kind of like that battling Cardinal right there. That's pretty cool. Back then, we had the uh, a lot of young folks may not know this, but the Arizona Cardinals at one time were the St. Louis Cardinals. We had the Cardinal baseball and Cardinal football, and yeah. they played the same stadium, you know? So there was a lot of uh, cool Cardinal emblems and things like that back then. You want to hear something weird? Please. Yes. <laughs> My father's side of the family, they're all, you know, Cubs fans, Bears fans, Bulls fans, fighting a lion eye. Um, when it came to football, for some reason, the Bears thing never transferred to me. So I was a Cub fan in baseball, and I was a big red, which the St. Louis football Cardinals were known as in football. Oh, um, yeah. Basketball, I really didn't care. I uh, didn't care about basketball so much until, you know, the Bird uh, uh, Johnson. Yes, Lakers, Celtics stuff. Then I got oh. into it. Um, the 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 fighting a lion, I think, did transfer to me. But for some reason, I was never a Bears fan. I was always a big Red fan. And the reason I became a Chiefs fan was not because they won the Super Bowl the last few years. The reason I became a Chiefs fan is because in 1988 I moved to Kansas City, which was the first year the Cardinals moved out to Arizona. And I thought I'm not supporting the football Cardinals. They left our city, so. I started rooting for the Chiefs. So, uh, hey, I'm with you. Uh, I, I respect the Chief. The Chief fans remind me of the Cub fans. They are loyal. That's a tough division. There, in, a few years ago, the our division was tough in baseball, but in uh, in that in the AFC, the Chiefs have a very tough division. And there's some years they just were just okay. But that fan base is very loyal, and that's a great. Uh, history of a football team there i'm with you vince i was a football cardinal fan i love them just as much as the baseball team and i got to go to one game a year and i usually would see cardinals and redskins or cardinals and cowboys because we hated the cowboys and uh they usually kicked our butts you know uh ed too tall jones and harvey martin and randy white all those guys they just beat the snot out of us but man and the cardinals the baseball and the football team used to do um you know, things together, like I remember Bank McBride was Rookie of the Year, I think it was 74, and that's the year the football Cardinals were good, and Bake was, uh, Bake and Terry Metcalf of the Cardinals' numbers were the same, and they were, it showed them in the locker room, and they both had their jerseys and their number on, so I thought oh, that was cool. kind of cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Nowadays, patches, uh, they commemorate things. I've got a uh, Adrian Beltran patch when he retired. And it had all the things he did on it because I believe he's going to be a Hall of Famer next year when he's up for the Hall of Fame. But this one is the final Bush Stadium patch. It marks the years. Uh, they have stickers. They wore this on their uniforms. It was the final season of Bush Stadium. And uh, I'll miss that place. A lot of great memories. 82 World Series. Bob forces no hitter. Just some really good times there at Old Bush Stadium. So that's a neat uh commemorative thing um also uh when a when stan passed away they wore a patch on their uniform and i just bought it and keep it but it's uh number six stan usual i'd like to get all the the ones of the retired players um anyway they wore that on their uniform 
and Stan is such an icon in St. Louis. He's he's our Ernie Banks, you know. Stan is so never a harsh word ever said against him. No one ever said anything bad. He was nothing but class and great for baseball and the greatest Cardinal of them all. And then I have some World Series patches. Let me put these in order. There, every World Series sort of has a uh, a style. The programs and and even uh, even the ball has a commemorative thing on it. So um, here's the '40s uh, when we won the World Series. There's '42 right there. You can see the Cardinals a little thinner. Got the year and the Cardinal on it right there. Yeah, we are game weight as we get older. <laughs> oh, I've always been fat, Vince. <laughs> 44 that was the uh browns and the cardinals right there you know i like the little shield like a captain america shield right there yeah at the bottom. 46 that was the style of the the team back then you know right at the end of world war ii just ended uh 1964 one of my favorite cardinal years of all time right there uh so Anyway, that was that great comeback against the Phillies, and uh, we beat the uh, dominating Yankees in the World Series. And then uh, 67, that's the old uh, Bob Gibson year, and that's the old Cardinal right there in front of Old Bush Stadium right there, that World Series. So you these World Series ones you can buy. There's a store at Bush Stadium. You can get them. Um, I, I go to the card show, and there's collectors up there. And sometimes they'll throw a deal in there. If you uh, if you buy this, I'll throw that in for five bucks or something like that. That's a great thing about going to the card show. You can wheel and deal. You know, they can only say no. And yeah. I've had some I've had some great things thrown in at the last minute. But you just talk baseball with these guys. One time I went up there in a Phillies hat. I switch hats every day. I got a different hat on every day. And the guy goes, oh, you like the Phillies? Come here, I want to show you something. And they'll show you all their Phillies stuff, and we'll just talk baseball. And that's pretty cool. All right. The next thing I was going to show is, um, let's see. Vince, this kind of makes me sad. This this part of baseball is going away. Um, I talked to a collector who's a big uh, St. Louis Blues fan, and they said the Blues are no longer putting out programs, yearbooks, or uh, pocket schedules. And a lot of people like me collect those because uh, there's just a certain style to it. You can go back and look over the season. Um, but they said you can get everything digitally now, and those that's just kind of going away. They're saving money. But uh, I tell you what, so far the Cardinals haven't got rid of their pocket schedules. Every time I go to a ballpark, I get a, a pocket schedule. I have every Cardinal pocket schedule from 1967 to uh, 2022. And uh, Wow. You can, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd, but you can see the style change over the years. This is 1967. That's kind of what it looked like, you know? And if you turn it yeah. on the back, it'll say brought to you by, brought to you by Harry Carey and Jack Buck. And there's a little advertisement on the back. And even the advertisements are pretty cool. It's usually for Budweiser or Bush being the Cardinals, you know, but then uh, when Technicolor became a thing in the '60s, all the pro all the pocket schedules and the uh, and the scorecards and everything copied that. Here we are in 1968, and you can kind of see it's like a, a this kind of style, and you'll see this continues through the '70s. Um, here's '75, and they started like 
showing instead of just having a, a guy in a cardinal outfit doing something baseball uh, related, this is 75. You can see it's uh, Lou Brock. He's in there. He's sliding there and he's running. Of course, that's the year after Lou stole over 100 bases, you know, and set the record, which was, of course, later broken by Ricky Henderson. Yeah. But you can just see the Technicolor pictures through the 70s. Here's uh, 78, you know, and of course, Bush beer on the back. So that goes hand in hand. I have that all the way through the 70s. Uh, 1981, you can still see they were doing that. Different companies put out pocket schedules. Uh, 82, the year we won the World Series. Uh, Bob Forsh is on the front, and they've got several players. And, of course, Budweiser on the back. Yeah, one beer. One Cardinal, one beer, <laughs> and one cup over there. Uh, then it kind of started changing. After we won the World Series, they put the uh, some World Series trinkets on the on the, on the the little uh, pocket schedule, you know. And now it, in, when you open these things, I, I just assumed everybody had seen these, but it goes through the whole season, you know. The blue being the away games and the red being the home games. It tells you the time of day, everything. I just love these little pocket schedules. And uh, people usually just toss them away. Uh, 99 pocket schedule. It was the year after McGuire hit all the home runs, him and Sosa. So they had like some McGuire uh, memorabilia on there. And if you come through the 2000s, they always seem to uh, mark a player. And of course, in 2002, you got Albert on there after he won the rookie of the year. 2003, Scotty Rowland, who just went into the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal. So that's pretty cool. Uh, 2004, we just talked about him today. Matt Morris is the featured player on all the programs and scorecards. Um, we won the World Series in, in, uh, in 06, and it's got like a team picture of a celebration there. And then Bank of America is on the back of that one. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so I've only got three more here I'm going to show real quick. But uh, Yachty was on the front of a lot of, uh, you know, featured Cardinals. And this is 2020. I kind of like that style. Yachty taking his mask off right there. Uh, a lot of teams during the pandemic did not put out pocket schedules. Um, I went out to Texas and they didn't have pocket schedules. I went to Kansas City. They said, well, during the we didn't know when the seasons was going to start. We didn't know, so they didn't print anything like that because I go, I go up to their office and uh, I get a bunch of that kind of stuff when I'm out there. 2001, we got Nolan Arenado right there, future Hall of Famer, on the front. And the last one I'm going to show you. Last year, you know, we it was the it was pretty much the Wayno and Yachty year, so everything featured Wayno and Yachty. Of course, they made these before Albert came back to St. Louis, because I'm sure. If he was on the team from, you know, the year before, he would have been featured on the on all that stuff, too. So those are just score uh, pocket schedules. You can get these. I mean, all the way back to the probably 80 for a dollar to three dollars a piece. They're not much. They're nice keepsakes. I have all I have a lot of memorabilia in these China closets and I put them on the bottom. I got some AstroTurf Bush Stadium. I got the pocket schedules out. And people, uh, you know, they just we just take them out and look at them, kind of remember the times. It's kind of like a time machine, really, looking back through all that stuff. And uh, I collect pictures too, right here. I'm gonna uh, when I put my table up and show stuff. Uh, Ted Williams is my all-time favorite player. 
I know he's a Boston Red Sox, but uh, I love Ted Williams. And there he is with uh, Babe Ruth. And Babe was playing at an old-timers game. And you can tell, you can just tell that's uh, Ted before war, he went off to World War II. He's real lean there. Yeah. And uh, so I'm thinking that's somewhere around 41, probably. But that's a great picture of two great players right there, Ruth and, and Ted Williams, two of the greats. So anyway, I got that there. But the other thing I was going to show you, one quick thing. In 1989, uh, the uh, Hall of Fame, well, really, baseball put out postcards. And I love these postcards. And they're kind of a drawing. And I've had a lot of these when I get a chance autographed. And the first one I'm going to show you is Enos Slaughter, which is my favorite cardinal. Right there. There's old Enos right there. Sliding, of course, the mad dash, and then there he is standing uh, majestically in his old wool cardinal uniform. That's pretty cool. And the backs look like that. So that's pretty cool. I've got uh, Lou Brock, and that one's actually autographed. Now, if you ever wanted anything signed by Lou, he would sign anything. What a gentleman. Great guy. Of course, I got him running right down there at the bottom. And uh, these are fantastic. And as a Cub fan, you could get Billy Williams, uh, Ron, I don't know. They were out before Santa was in the Hall of Fame. Ernie Banks, of course. Um, oh, your man, Fergie. Yeah, Fergie. Um, I also have the big cat, Johnny Mize. Before McGuire, he was the only guy we had that led the league in home runs. And uh, Johnny Mize, very good player, underrated too. The big cat right there, and he signed it right there too, so. I'm pretty proud of that. And then the other one I, I showed a couple weeks ago, but I got uh, big old Willie Stargell. I'm a fan of the postcards. It kind of just shows off. And 64, they put out these big ones. And uh, I actually have a few signed. I'll just show the big ones. But here's uh, Warren Spahn. I got to meet him. Warren Spahn was in the Battle of the Bulge one of the most bloodiest American fights uh, of all time. He was there. I, I just admire the man, the winningest left-hander in baseball history. Um, I believe it was 363 wins. And uh, he didn't like his picture taken. But uh, my grandpa was a Marine. And for my grandpa, he uh, he took a picture with me. So that was pretty cool. darn cool. Yeah. Oh, Warren, Warren Spahn. Al Kaline, he signed that. Al Kaline actually got up and shook my hand and sort of uh, sort of bowed or something. I thought, man, Al, you're a nice guy. You don't have to get up for me. I'm nobody. So that's pretty cool. Al Kaline, one of the youngest guys ever to win the betting title. And, of course, Mr. Brooks Robinson. I absolutely love that, that piece right there. So, anyway, uh, if you want one of these uh, – like I got these for five bucks, Dick Grote on the 64 world champions. A lot of these you can go out and get. Uh, and then if you ever get a chance to meet the player, like this weekend, Jack Clark, Pure, <laughs> and, uh, and Amos Otis, you can get those signed. So, uh, you know, just kind of keep track. There's so much neat stuff. I recommend y'all just come up and, and window shopping at that card show. I have no vested. Phil Brooks will be there, the guy who was on our show before. Yeah. And uh, that guy will show you everything. He always says, I got a deal for you. He always gets me to buy one more thing before I leave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he knows me real well. 
But Vince, that's basically it for the the hobby corner this time around. <laughs> okay. What are you opening up? 2019. I bought the whole box of these suckers, so we're going to be riding 2019 for a while. The uh, Aaron Judge, Babe Ruth on the front cover right there. Okay. I'm going to do the 89 tops. Oh, yeah. 89 tops. You might get a uh, King Griffey Jr. in there. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Let me turn these all around the same way. Oh, this guy here. It seems like the longer he plays, the better he gets. J.D. Martinez. Yeah, yeah, Boston Red Sox player right there. All right. I, <laughs> Matt Davidson. There he is. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but good for him. Matt Davidson right there. He made a baseball card. That's all that matters. Okay, I'm going to need help with pronunciation. I, I, I'm terrible at pronunciation. Scott Schwebler? I, I went to a Reds game, and they had a bobblehead of him one time, and I gave it to uh, my wife's sister's family are all Cincinnati Reds fans. Oh, I'm sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> we don't talk about it in public. But uh, I got a bobblehead of him, and I gave it to one of the kids. Uh Oh, Mitch Garver from the Twins. There he is. I like that photograph too. Oh, that's that's sharp looking. Yeah, yeah he's really he's about to hit that ball a mile right there. Yeah. I'm telling you what. We got uh oh man, this guy's good. He's as he gets older, he gets better and better. Kevin Gosman. He's become a yeah. very good pitcher. Very good. Chase Anderson of Milwaukee. Right there, another very good Milwaukee pitcher. Oh, they have they honored an old timer at uh it says Grapefruit League Legends, Pedro Martinez. Ah. I always collected Pedro Martinez stuff. I just loved his way he pitched, you know. Uh but now when I think of Pedro, I think of Don Zimmer making a mad dash at him. Remember that? Oh, that was yeah. crazy. It, I was I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like the it was almost like the NWO was invading. What the heck's going on here? I felt bad for Pedro about it because what could he do? You know, eighty year old man's charging. You just kind of get out of the way and yeah. you know, kind of put your hands on him and he falls down. He laid him, and then the Yankees get mad and they're all pointing at their heads and stuff. It was just crazy. It was just a crazy game. Um. Let's see, National Adam Eaton. I always liked Adam Eaton. I thought he was, you know, he's really good, like fourth outfielder or, you know, um, somebody can platoon. I always liked this guy. There he is, Adam Eaton. I'll yeah. stretch it out there right there. Over the years, the pictures have gotten better and better. You know, they've really, the photography. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirate, I honestly don't know much about this guy, Philippe Basquez, right there. Don't know much yeah. about him. Oh, yeah. This is the guy that comes out to Narco. He was with Seattle at the time, but Edwin Diaz. Oh, yeah. Very good. He's became, he's a, a perennial all-star now. Jake Odorizzi. He was a guy a lot of Cardinal fans wanted us to go get. A solid pitcher. I wouldn't he's give from, up. Oh, go ahead. He's from Highland, Illinois. 
I did not know. Look at that. Vince, yeah. man, you know all this. Who needs the back of the card? We got Vince Opera right here. <laughs> oh, and last but not least, and we're hoping the Cardinals are hoping for a bounce. Every team's got guys we want to have a bounce back year. Jack Flaherty, who had one heck of a half a year. We're hoping he can catch fire again because I tell you what, he's got the stuff to do it. I'm pulling for him. He's in the last year of his contract. It looked like he wasn't going to resign with us. But now there's talk like he might. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So that's why well, I pack right there. As I open the cards. Ooh, that suspense is killing me. <laughs> and I, I love that we still have oh, the gum. Oh, the gum. I read so. that they stopped putting gum in there in like 91, I think it was. The last year they put gum in there. It was it was a it was it was not a good there was the first thing you did was stick the gum in your mouth and you start oh, yeah. chewing it hoping that it didn't cut the insides of your, your mouth up because it had those sharp edges. But oh yeah. yeah. We had we oh. had dangerous kids. We had those pudding pop things you open up, you can cut your tongue on that, Doritos. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, all that stuff. Whole tabs from soda cans, and then we just put the tab. In. Oh just, yeah, what an idiot. dangerous, dangerous man. Oh, we've had him on the show. Not well. I wish we could get him on the Maybe. show. We've had his card on the show, Matt Williams. Oh, Matt, well, I was a big fan, big fan, and uh, a decent career, really good career when he was with the Indians. Willie Upshaw. Yeah, solid, solid player. And this is a record breaker, 1988 record breaker. It is Wade Boggs, who had oh. his uh, sixth straight 200 hit season. He always ate chicken for good luck. Oh, here's a man who had two careers. He was a decent pitcher before surgery. After surgery, he was even better. And he was so good, they named the surgery after him, Mr. Tommy John. Tommy John. I heard he was eight, 83 years old, by the way. <laughs> wow. He had a bobblehead where the arm bobbled. Oh, really? To the head. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, former Giant, former Pirate, Don Robinson. Oh, pitcher. Yeah. Nice career. Oh, I have this guy. In, yeah, remember when I showed you, I, I took the baseball cards, all these all-stars, and I made a clock out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's on yeah. it. He's on my clock. Ozzy Smith. Ozzie. This card's on my clock. Yes. Oh, and this is a guy who I'm so glad he turned his life around. Um, but man, he he could have been so much more, Mr. Daryl Strawberry. I know. He was a and horse. Let me ask you something. What is better than one strawberry? Two strawberries. I have another Daryl Strawberry. Wow. How did this happen? I don't know. Because this is the home run leader card. Okay, so there. That's why I got two Daryl Strawberries. Okay. Um, former catcher for the Mariners, Dave Valley. Oh yeah, he's a uh, analyst on MLB Channel now. Yeah, he is. Uh, former Astro outfielder Kevin Bass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looks more like a smallmouth bass. <laughs> oh, former Oriole pitcher Jay Tibbs. Um, they call me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Oh, we uh, we just talked about him uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Benito Santiago. 
he could throw people out from his knees. He yeah, thirty game hitting streak as a rookie. Yeah, yeah. He was fast for a catcher too, running. And uh, former catcher for uh, my cousin Mark's favorite team, uh, Barry Lyons. Yeah, yeah. Take that, Mark. I can't believe he actually said that on our show. Yeah, he came out. He came out of the closet. Damn. Uh, now I always liked Rick Cerrone because yeah. once when the uh when Steinbrenner <laughs> was chewing out the team, he, he yacked back at him and Steinbrenner said, I'm the one who pays the lights around here, so shut up. But <laughs> hey, at least someone someone tried to talk back to him. Yeah. And, I, I oh, didn't know that. Former pitcher from the expos, former all-star Bryn Smith. Oh yeah. Didn't did he pitch for the Cardinals? Yes, he did, and yeah. he's very good friends because the Expos, he's good friends with Giddy Lee. Giddy Lee, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Giddy, who is as thin as a rail, came to spring training one year, and they gave him a cardinal outfit, and they, he was trying to chase down fly balls. Now, he's a great singer, writer, bass player. He cannot play the out. He couldn't play baseball, but he's a big fan. If you ever get a chance, he's got some of the best memorabilia. He's got balls signed by Hornus Wagner and a you wouldn't believe that his collection, but it, it's, I, it's something else. Yeah, at the first, at the first uh, Cubs first Cactus League game, the first game of the Cactus League season, they set a record. They had over sixteen thousand fans there. Eddie Vetter was at the first spring training game, and I I love uh, you know these celebrities who are baseball nuts. And there is a picture. I don't know if you've ever seen it on the internet. It is Eddie Vetter. And Johnny Ramone playing strap baseball in a hotel room. It's really? so cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, it makes so, me proud. Uh, yeah. The, we have, of course, we used to have Lou Rawls show up all the time, but Chuck Berry was a Cardinal fan. So we, you had Eddie Vedder, we had Chuck Berry. And uh, I forgot how this guy, oh, Giddy Lee. Yeah. Giddy Lee. Yeah. Is, well, I think he loves the Cubs too. I think, I just think he likes baseball. He was an Expo fan. Hmm. Yeah. Well, JJ, oh. we've made it through. If you, you get any symptoms through this, let me know. All right. Um, any of our listeners, if if I've given you COVID, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have masked up before, you know, now. But I, I guess I will now that I'm thinking about it. So <laughs> there you get, go. Get better. And by the way, great shirt, man. Yes. Um, remind me of the uh lady's name who made this uh well i have a co-worker kim grimes thank you doing... kim i appreciate it max and appreciates she, it she max has... hasn't got his yet yes and i'm glad y'all have it i'll wear mine sometime too i i usually show it in the back or something like that but kim got her sister-in-law who makes shirts to make that for us and so i i love it man very cool I will wash it before I wear it out in public to get the COVID off, by the way. So. <laughs> All right. Well, JJ, we will see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody. Have a good get one. Get better. Bye. I will. Bye.